hey everybody welcome to the bsn rams podcast presented by canyon bakehouse before we jump into the show i want to tell you about the delicious certified gluten-free breads bagels english muffins and other baked goods that are made right here in johnstown colorado canyon bakehouse's gluten dairy nut and soy free products make it easy for families to enjoy the taste and texture of fresh bread so everyone can love bread again Find them at any major grocery store in the freezer or fresh bread aisle, or purchase online and visit canyonglutenfree.com to grab a coupon. Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback, and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Page takes it in, scores. Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low. Hornung. Dunk! And here come the students. Leading by 10. Here's Van Pelt. He's at the five. Touchdown, Colorado State. What's up, Colorado State fans? It is Wednesday, September 4th, which means we are back with another edition of the BSN Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. Uh, Today, I'm really, really, really excited about the guests we have on the show. Athletic Director, Colorado State Athletic Director Joe Parker has agreed to come on the podcast. So I spent about 40 minutes with him just talking about the state of CSU Athletics Uh, scheduling up things that have been challenging in his five years here and just uh, you know why he still supports Mike Bobo so really really cool podcast big thanks to Joe Parker for agreeing to come on this to be honest I didn't think that I was going to be able to swing it but uh, yeah he agreed to and it ended up being a really great interview so appreciative of him also appreciative of Kyle Neves he is CSU's uh, sports information director he was the key man in getting this whole thing set up so you know without further ado let's just get right into that interview with Joe Parker all right Colorado State fans we are joined by a special guest today athletic director Joe Parker has graciously agreed to come on the podcast Joe thank you so much for coming on Uh, this is a this is pretty big deal for me I was talking the other day with Mike Brohard and he was kind of like you know, Joe's a busy guy. I don't know if he's going to be able to swing that, but the fact that you've been able to do it, definitely a big deal. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Justin. You know I'm always going to make time for you, so don't worry about that. <laughs> I feel special now. Joe, you know, you've been here for a couple of years now. You've kind of had a chance to, you know, set down your roots and make Colorado State your own. What's been the biggest challenge for you, at least at this point? Uh, I've been here, I'm in my fifth year right now, so I started April of 2015. Um, biggest challenge, I think, is what most schools would say you face, and that's just uh, resource allocation. And, and when you're trying to 
acquire resources. Um, you know, it's it's uh, obviously you know we're we're in uh, a conference that's not advantaged by a large TV contract. So uh, you know, we have self-generated resources. We have direct institutional support. Um, we have relative to um, an autonomous five school, we have a, a modest distribution from the conference office, from our broadcasting rights. So that's that's always the challenge, um, just trying to make sure that you can resource programs at the level that you want to. But I think what we what we do do, because we're, we're forced to, but I think it's also developed a nice discipline for us, is we, we've really worked hard to identify the difference between a need and a want. Um, so I, I, I really don't feel like we've ever gone unfulfilled with a need, a true need that enhances a student experience. Um, there's a whole list of wants that you can easily, I think, uh, depending on your environment, you know, feel like those transition over to the need column pretty quickly. But, but I think here we've, we've been forced to differentiate between the two, and I never, I've never felt like we've, we've let a true need go unfulfilled. You know, you mentioned the the needs and wants, and I think for a long time the the need it was, well, it was a need and a want. The the on campus football stadium um, was that difficult to kind of come into the job because the project was already kind of in motion at that point. Was it hard to like have to come in and then they're just like you know fix this project or you know make it come to life essentially? Um, well, no, you know, make a quick review of the timeline. So the, the project was approved December of 2014 by the Board of Governors, so they got the green light go. Um, a lot of the uh, the team was assembled already, that is the design team, the, the, the uh, general contractor with Mortensen. Um, they had pretty much reached almost uh, 100% of schematic design. I onboarded four months later, um, but but still had some opportunity to, to nuance design a little bit. We did make some changes. We reorganized the the uh, suite level to, to gain one more suite that would be forward facing and, and sale, you know for sale to the external public. Uh, we made some adjustments on the press level and created what is what is now used as, as kind of three boardrooms that are rented for special events and meetings. Um, you know, so a lot of the project, I would say, was, was, was baked before I onboarded. Obviously, we still had a long way to go as it related to, relates to um, securing commitments for premium seating. We hadn't sold a single club seat or indoor club seat or suite or loge box. Uh, we still had a lot of room to, uh, to secure naming rights opportunities and, and some major gifts as well. Um, so, you know, that, that, that went as well as we could have expected. Um, you know, we opened the stadium at 100% capacity for premium seats. Uh, we opened the stadium with a lot of the principal areas named or, or with a major gift to, to have a naming opportunity on it. Um, you know, that first year we did not have an overall naming rights partner, um, but, you know, we, we made progress there. Um, you know, the anonymous gift to, to transfer Sonny's name to the field was was something that occurred, you know, um, after I had onboarded. But but again, all those things, you know, when you when you say they occurred, you know, CSU has had wonderful relationships with people that have uh, seen the value in supporting intercollegiate athletics on our campus. So you can never claim sole responsibility for anything that happens because there's been a lot of things that, that have uh, 
led to you know the successes that we've had and you mentioned earlier the, the institutional support and i think you're kind of tying back into it a little bit there just the want and the desire to you know support college athletics i think tony frank at least over the last you know five six years has really shown a willingness to to put value in college athletics and invest in it was that something you were worried about at all with him stepping down from his role and have have you had a chance to talk with Joyce, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank on her last name, O'Connell, I believe. Or President McConnell. McConnell. Yeah. Um, just on athletics and what the plan would be moving forward. Uh, you know, I, I think we're, we're, we're fortunate to have had t- Tony's uh, stable tenure for, for uh, ten, 10 years. Um, you know, he still is involved with the systems office as the chancellor. Uh, the Board of Governors, I think, identified someone who's going to be a, a visionary leader for Colorado State University with uh, Joyce McConnell. She had been 24 years at West Virginia, um, University of West Virginia, and uh, had served first as a professor in the School of Law, and then um, the dean of that school, and then the provost. And I think uh, Joyce is is a, a huge proponent of intercollegiate athletics um, and and I say that I think in an appropriate balance you know I think I think she's a president similar to Tony that that wants to um, allow every unit of campus to seek excellence and realizes that that uh, that requires resources and funding um, you know we've practiced a model where where athletics has received about 13 million dollars of direct institutional support um, and then student fees, which you know, depending on who you are, you could you could say either way that's institutional support or that's you know students um, because it's it's a it's a fee that they vote in place mm-hmm. um, that that uh, that's gains them access to to the events whether they take advantage of that or not. Um, similar to the library fee, whether a student decides to go in the library and check a book out. They're going to pay the fee, uh, whether they use the rec center or not. They're going to pay that fee, whether they use IT resources on campus or not. They're going to pay the fee. Uh, so for those students that, that that enjoy intercollegiate athletics, you know, everyone's going to pay the fee, and, and those that elect to attend our ticketed events are, will do so. Um, you know, so I, I I think Joyce will have a, a similar attitude around that to Tony. Um, I know that when I've had conversations with her and I've seen her. Uh, respond to others that that she's she's uh, really articulated very well the the way that intercollegiate athletics can can enhance the mission of the overall institution um, you know we have a mission statement that that uh, is, is simply five words to educate engage and excel and the engage piece is is what I think we do well for campus and that is we draw a community to campus and I, I would argue that there's not many things that that we can do on our campus other than uh, host events, host events in Moby Arena or host events in Canvas Stadium that are going to draw, you know, tens of thousands of, peop- of people here. And um, you know, we're proud of that fact, and we we understand that's the responsibility of intercollegiate athletics to to help people build a relationship with with the university through our sporting events. Well, nobody's going to agree with you more than me in terms of, you know, college athletics being great and what they can do for a university. I was definitely excited to see the stadium come to life and it's been fun to to see how fans have made it home over these last couple of years. Um, as far as, you know, drawing engagement goes, I think in 2019, it's, it's probably difficult for schools to 
to attract people at the same rate that maybe you were able to do in the past, just given how many options there are on TV now and how many games you can watch, you know, from the comfort of your couch is, is that something that you guys focus on and trying to, to make it more than just a football game? I know like with the canvas porch and stuff like that, it seems like you guys are really leaning into just making it an entire experience and not just watching a football game. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we've had to, to sharpen our skills in that space. Um, and, and, um, y- you know, I think it's, it's something that has challenged, everyone who hosts sporting events, whether it's at the collegiate level or the professional level, that, that you want to create a fan experience that, that uh, brings people back. Um, a big part of what we do is memory creation, I think, um, and, and the, in the space of a community of people that have an affinity for CSU. So um, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, with, with the new stadium, with Canvas Stadium, we we tried to create areas where where people can commune and interact with one another. So whether that be the the orthopedic and spine center of the Rockies Field Club or the New Belgium Porch or um, the, the premium spaces where we have the, the club level or the suites or the loge boxes, those are all certainly different opportunities for people to experience um, in venue. Um, you know, we... We uh, installed a, a, a DAS system and a wireless system in the stadium so people can remain connected. That's one of the things I think we heard repeatedly um, here and, and certainly myself in other places, uh, particularly students. You know, they, they, they live in a, a wired, connected world, and everyone has this device, this small screen device in their pocket. and Got to get the and, tweets and Snapchat out. Yeah, you know, so so we wanted to be cognizant of that, and and so we, you know, right away we put that investment in the in the project, and and I think you know that that eliminated an excuse from from people that that want to remain connected because if you don't have those systems invested, uh, connectivity can be a challenge, and I don't think we've had a single issue in the in the twelve games hosted in the last two seasons where people are able to communicate in the way that they want to. Um, uh, but, you know, there's always refinements and enhancements. You know, we have the stadium sessions, which is our uh, pregame tailgate, the alumni tailgate we do in partnership with Coors Light. And uh, we, we bring bands in um, that are organized through our local community radio station, KRFC, 88.9 FM, Radio Fort Collins. And, and uh, you know, I think that's another element. We've, we've also engaged a partner with Tailgate Guys who – I think in the last two years has proven to fans that, that subscribe to that offering that they do a turnkey experience that is unlike anything that they probably had before, and they can scale it to what the fan need is, whether it be just simply setup of a tent table and chairs or or more, uh, which would involve you know AV and audio and you know a, a TV to watch games and, and the the uh, satellite connection to make that possible and catering so. Um, we're, we're working on enhancing kind of large format tailgating. Uh, this year in particular, we've moved the students from the tilt lot, which was over by the Oval, mm-hmm. to the western edge of campus, uh, to the, the new lot that's uh, just south of Moby Arena and north of the, the soccer, where the soccer and softball complex will be built. And that was a direct response to students saying that um, a lot of the activities that are off campus are happening in the campus west area. So... They like the idea of convenience and being able to transition between the two, um, you know, during that pregame time period. And we 
tested it for the the uh, Wyoming game last year and had great success with it. So we're we're starting this season uh, with that location. Um, you know, we uh, we obviously have Ag Day, and you know, we're trying to enhance uh, the experience in partnership with the College of Agriculture to make that the right experience for people that have had you know traditionally supported it, and then also hopefully invite a new a new clientele into that. Um, trying to think what else we've done. Uh, this this Saturday when we host Western Illinois will be our second consecutive um, Denver day. So we put together a really, right, yeah. a really uh, I think cost-effective game ticket uh, with parking and a pregame tailgate to try and, um, you know, make a lower price point with a, a full game op- or full day experience for for Denver alumni that that maybe have not sampled uh, Colorado State football through the new venue with Canvas Stadium. So, you know, all these things are, are developed and devised with the idea of trying to create a an experience you can't have um, when you're at home sitting on the couch. Um, you know, I recognize that that's, that may be a better opportunity for some people to consume uh, CSU football. But, but for me, you know, I, I love the pageantry of college football. I love the sights and smells. Um, you know, the student section lends so much to it. Uh, the marching band, you know, comatose with the cannon. Um, you know, all those things I think you just can't replicate when you choose to stay at home. Um, but especially what I think that we trigger is just that, that micro-community experience. You know, if you've been a student at CSU at some point in your life and you get to reconnect with people that were important to you when you were a student here, um, you get to walk your child across campus with their hand in your hand and talk about the Lori Student Center or the library or the residence hall you lived in. You know, you're not going to find that when you're choosing to stay at home. Um, and, the, and the one thing I think we need to always underscore is I think what we've proven in the last two years is the experience is much, much more convenient than what we had out at Hughes. I mean, access to mm-hmm. campus, the way we can load campus, the um, abundance of parking, uh, the, the fact that the max, um, you know, kind of equivalent of a light rail line, which is part of the Fort Collins public transportation, is a great resource if you want to kind of do a park and ride or if you want to start your day in Old Town. So, I mean, you know, the possibilities are endless. And, and obviously Fort Collins is a pretty special place. You know, whenever whenever communities get ranked around the country, we're, we're almost always in the top five. So it's it's a great opportunity to come up and experience a, a place you may have familiarity with or a place you may maybe have never visited before. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point. I think some of the maybe the initial complaints about the tailgating had to do with just that, you know, it takes a little bit of a planning. Now you gotta you gotta have some foresight and, you know, plan you know, know which lot you're gonna go to. Some of them you have to reserve and pay and that's fine. I think the CSU fans are adjusting well. It was a little bit different than Hughes, which was kind of just you know, like a free-for-all giant parking lot, everyone out there, and it was a good time, but it definitely just wasn't the overall game day experience that I think you guys have, have done a nice job creating now just with the Ram walk and everything, and, and you just get the guys coming into the stadium. It's a different feel. It feels like a, you know, a big-time college football program to me, and I, I think you guys have just done a good job in kind of replicating that. Yeah, and, and to me, college football is campus, so, you know, I never want to depreciate the experience of Hughes, but, you know, I, I, I um, you know, it's a beautiful site, um, uh, you know, but for 50 years, we sent people out to the western edge of our community, no 
no direct adjacency to the university. Um, we stood on a gravel parking lot, and and we called that a special experience. And you know, I mean, I I know people loved it. Um, you know, and we're trying to figure out ways on campus to to deliver that experience too. So we've gotten, I think, better at understanding the the flow of, of traffic and how, how easy, as I mentioned before, it is to load campus with cars for game day. Uh, we've identified the Moby lot, the uh, Morgan Library lot, and the Lori Student lot as kind of those more concentrated tailgate areas that might mm-hmm. give you that Hughes feel. Um, we've made it more convenient to bring an RV into those spaces. Uh, when we started, because we, you know, we just never didn't have a really idea, a, a strong idea in that first season, especially how people were going to respond to certain offers. So we we had required um, that someone make four times the donation to access the Moby lot, by way of example. So I, I think it's a $500 donation to the Ram Club. So if you were bringing an RV in, you had to make a $2,000 contribution to the Ram Club, and then you had to buy four spaces to accommodate the RV, you know, mm-hmm. two for the vehicle and two for the spillover tailgate area. Well, we, we, this year we realized that, that, uh, you know, if we made it just a one-time gift of $500, well, annual gift of $500, but someone still has to purchase the equivalent of four parking spaces because you are taking up four spaces of the inventory there. So that's lowered the threshold. So we, we've seen some increase in RVs, uh, in the Moby lot. Um, I think the turn radius and the Morgan Library lot allows for some RV parking there. Mm-hmm. We have RV parking in the Lori Student Center. So those are the three areas that we're trying to build that that more, um, you know, as I said, you know, concentrated uh, tailgating experience that might feel a little bit more like the Hughes experience to people. But, again, I can't underscore it enough. You're not standing on – on uh, on on gravel, um, there's usually a grassy area that's pretty close. I remember when I was a kid and I'd go to games. It'd be great to take your feet, your shoes off in warmer weather and run across some grass. We've got 44 acres of green space with a great green and and plenty of place to toss a frisbee and a and a, and a football. So, you know, I, I think over time people are going to learn to value and appreciate the experience here on campus more so than they ever did at Hughes. I think that's a good point. It's just it's more visually pleasing the it's cool to just bring everyone back you know if you were going to a game at Hughes in the mid 2000s the the likelihood of you swinging by campus probably was kind of slim I mean I'm sure there were people that planned their day around it and still came to campus before they went to the west side of town but you just I mean traffic was so bad getting to the stadium over there I think traffic probably flows better now just given that you don't have everyone going into one massive lot, you know, everybody coming off Elizabeth Overland or Prospect Overland or whatever it ended up being. This way, everyone, you know, you can have some people by Moby, some people on the north side, some people over in the corner. And it seems to me like, I mean, I leave after everyone because of the media, but it seems like you guys have done a good job of, of just making it logistically easy for everyone. Yeah, you know, I mean, Hughes was 160 acres. Campus is about 400 acres. Hughes was accessible on one side. Campus is, acce- is accessible on four sides. Um, w- you know, we've we've done, uh, I think, a wonderful job in planning with the city of Fort Collins and law enforcement locally to, to set up traffic patterns that are conducive to loading campus and then traffic patterns that are conducive to unloading campus. And if you talk to people that have... Um, come to a game or routinely attend games in the last two years, I think all of them would self-admit that 
then it's much easier than Hughes. I mean, I've talked to people that they're home before they're ever out of the Hughes parking lot, and I've talked to people that say they hardly ever see a, a brake light when they're leaving campus just because it flows so well. So I, I think we've solved that, you know. So for people that that think, um, you know, that inhibits the game day experience, I think if they if they come to Canvas Stadium, they'll they'll recognize that that's not an issue. Um, and, and it is at most places that have on-campus stadiums. You know, there is a little bit of uh, interference, you know, just because of the congestion. But I think, you know, we've been really fortunate. I think we'll continue to be that way that that people, you know, aren't slowed by any traffic congestion when they're coming to or leaving campus. All right, we're going to take a quick break and just hear from our sponsor. But when we come back, I'm going to ask Joe just some questions about scheduling the CU. It's time to take a second and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they are calling this a light-hearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you that have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it, and you'll be able to see all of the events we have planned where we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them. So RSVP and have a good time. Welcome back to the BSN Rams podcast presented by Canyon Bakehouse. I'm here with Joe Parker. We've been talking about just really the university of a whole as a whole and how it's grown over the last couple of years. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk with you about is just the scheduling and how CSU football has really made a conscious effort to schedule up. I know it's something you've addressed publicly before, and it's definitely something that we can tell you're emphasizing, but how, how did those kind of games come to work with these bigger programs, you know, Texas Tech, Arizona, some of the schools you've been able to to work deals with? Is it typically you reaching out to them, them reaching out to you, or is it kind of just a combination of both? Uh, well, f- first it, it starts with a football coach who's, who's willing to challenge his program. And, and, and uh, you know, Mike has been tremendous with, with being very open to any ideas that relates to scheduling in the non-conference um, space. Um, but, you know, and it, it kind of happens both ways. Um, but I, I think at the onset, for me, it was just kind of chasing down some pre-existing relationships that I've, that I've had. Um, um, you know, we, I think one of our first ones was Texas Tech. And obviously, you know, I, I, I had just most recently come from there, um, have worked with Kirby Hocutt, their athletics director, at two different places uh, for four years at Texas Tech before, before I came to CSU. And, and we Early in both of our careers, we were at the University of Oklahoma together for almost four years. Um, so, you know, you, there's a, a, also a great resource. Um, the, the lead scheduler for ESPN, uh, who, who ran all of college football scheduling for probably close to 15, maybe even 20 years, is a fellow named Dave Brown. And uh, Dave, Dave left ESPN um, after being president of Longhorn Network and set up his his own consulting business called Gridiron. And so he's built out a database that's a great resource for for athletic departments to use to see um, you know what what 
it's a searchable database so you can find out who's got open dates and and who might be looking for a front end of a home and home or you know would, would start you know with a an away game and return um you know it's also you know you can find guarantee opponents but almost in every case there's a personal relationship um you know texas tech i'd mentioned uh arizona's one on our future um you know i knew knew the ops director there for coach rodriguez because we we'd worked together at michigan um uh, you got michigan on the schedule got michigan on the yeah. schedule so you know that that was that was a, a phone call to their chief of staff who i've known forever and ward manual their athletics director that happened on a a drive on my drive to campus one day just to say hey I, I understand you have a date open and we'd, we'd be interested in finding a guarantee game for that year and so it, it you know there's a verbal agreement before I touch campus that day probably a 20-minute conversation and then by the time the paperwork caught up it might have been two weeks or three weeks um, Texas was the same way Chris Del Conte uh, worked with Chris he's the athletics director there Chris and I worked together at Washington State 20 years ago and have remained really close friends and uh, I think we're at NACTA in Orlando uh, one one evening and just talking after dinner. And and uh, so that, that came together pretty easily for us. Uh, Vanderbilt was one where they'd reached out to us uh, seeking a home and home, but we prompted that to, to you know, extend it into to a four-game series, which will take us twice to Nashville and bring them twice here. Um, Washington State was, was again, kind of a pre-existing relationship with people there. Um, Arkansas was, was definitely, um, you know, relationship-driven. Uh, Jeff Long had been the athletics director at Arkansas. We had agreed upon a, a guarantee game. This is something I've talked about a lot. Uh, we, we penciled in an agreement to do a guarantee game in 2019 that would have resulted in a $1.3 million payday to us. Um, but then I think it was summer of uh, 16 or 17, I can't remember now, um, I was on vacation and I saw a report that, that Michigan decided to cancel the home-and-home home contract with Arkansas. And uh, so I, I knew Jeff was going to have a hard time find, finding a, a way to fill that date in 18. So I, I hit him with a text and I said, brother, you're, you're in trouble. I know you are. And he spent about six months trying to fill it with someone else and I said well, let's just tear up the contract and you come here first and and we'll go there next so obviously it's it's uh you know it's pretty unusual and I, I don't think we'll ever see an SEC school here again in a home and home format uh that has a stadium of their size you know it's it's easier when a stadium is 60,000 or less uh because you know it makes economic sense for them to give up a home game mm -hmm. and travel um when it's a school like Arkansas, they'd, they'd prefer to pay, pay every time. Uh, but he just got in a bind, and and uh, you know, I was happy to help a friend out. <laughs> how um, how big really are these pay, these buy or payments from these games? You know, how big of a difference do they actually make for the operating budget and stuff like oh, that? Oh, they they do. I mean, y you know, the 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 infusion is you know a million to a million three typically. Um, you know, I think I think uh, our guarantee with Texas and Michigan. I have to look at the contracts. I think those were 1.4. Um, so that makes a difference. You know, our, our budget is uh, a little over 50 million dollars this year. So when you get, you know, um, you know that level of support from one game, that that gives you a little more flexibility. Uh, in, in our case, um, 
you know, it typically just reduces some of the direct institutional support that, that's provided to athletics. Um, but then again, too, it also maybe gives us a little more flexibility to spend for a, a special project related to, you know, a given year. I know uh, these contract conversations are complex, and I'm sure, you know, you, you can only say so much, but I think people would be upset if I didn't ask about CU and just, you know, where you feel the the future of that series lies. I know there's going to be a couple-year break before you guys, you know, go here and go to Boulder again for the first time in a while. Do you do you feel like the series maybe taking a break for a little bit could could be good in some ways, just to maybe let it breathe and then generate more interest in the game when it comes back um you know we're, i mean the, the breaks are already pre-scheduled uh so 21 and 22 mm-hmm. they, they they slotted air force i think into the spot yeah that may have may have made sense for us in their non-conference schedule uh we have an agreement to play in 23 and 24 and then we take um we take two years off at least because of our scheduling we've got vanderbilt and texas tech as our as our autonomous five home and homes in that year so I wouldn't feel comfortable you know putting in a, a third opponent at that level um, you know when when Rick and I had once talked we, we thought about or, or he he thought about and you know I was kind of in loose agreement two years on two years off you know I, I've kind of rethought it now I mean I'd, I'd love for us as soon as we get schedules cleared where we can to just resume it every year mm-hmm. um, you know I think when we move into 2020 and we host the game here. I think that will be our, our toughest ticket in the history of our program uh, in, in, in any year, whether it was a Hughes-hosted Hughes, uh, event or Canvas Stadium. Um, I can't, can't imagine that that won't be the focus of college football in the state of Colorado as it is when it was hosted um, in Denver. But the difference being is, you know, there's been roughly, you know, twenty to tw- twenty-five to twenty-eight thousand Ram fans who have watched the game in Denver, and and twenty-eight to probably thirty-two thousand Buffalo fans, Buff fans, and now we're shrinking it down to our stadium capacity, which is thirty-six-five. So, mm-hmm. you just do the math. I mean, it's there, there's going to be a scarcity for that ticket that I think is going to drive interest. You know, because every time, you, you know, you've seen it happen when when people recognize that they can't have something that they want. You know, it, it just drives the interest even higher. So we've been trying to reinforce that with our own fan base to let them realize that, that uh, you know, we're obviously going to favor our season ticket holders and our mini plan holders. So if you're, if you're in the house for 2019, 20, uh, it's more likely you're going to be in the house for 2020. Um, you know, we're going to probably offer individual game sales to those two categories of of supporters first, season ticket holders and mini plan holders. So we're anticipating if things go the way that we imagine in 2020, we may not have a single game sale for for the CU game. So, um, you know, I mean, that's something that I wished we could reinforce and make people realize that, that uh, you know, I know people are disappointed by the 3-9 season, but that's, you know, that's, that's a, you know, it's a passage in time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, everything is cyclical, and you know I can't imagine that we're not going to find a way to win more football games as we move forward. You know, just kind of segueing off that, the comments on the the three and nine season. Over the years, I'd say, you know, out of everyone that's on the local beat, um, I think everyone likes Mike Bobo. I don't think there's anyone on the beat that necessarily dislikes him. I've multiple times written, you know, just 
patience basically give him some time he's doing the right things and if they eventually it's going to play out and I think some of the fans are probably frustrated at this point just given how they played against CU Wyoming some of these other games so what what would you say to the people that are frustrated with Mike Bobo like why do you believe in him as a football coach and is it just all the things that I kind of mentioned about the off field and how he does things the right way I you know I mean I, I think Many of the things that you just articulated are th- are the reasons that I believe Mike is going to have success here. Um, you know, we we saw almost the kind of season that we were hoping for in 2017. Um, you know, the only game that 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 we weren't really in was the Air Force game. Mm-hmm. Um, our program has, as most of the time, has struggled with Air Force, as a lot of other programs yeah, that's do. That's not unique at all. Yeah. Um, you know, but we we played Boise State to a level that we probably have never played them before. Um, I'll remind everyone that we've never beaten Boise State under Mike's leadership or anyone else's leadership. Um, and, and and we haven't won a championship here since 2002. So, um, you know, it's it's not like Mike was operating from a, a platform of of high success. Um, Coach McElwain. Had a 10-win season. Um, he used that opportunity to pivot somewhere else. Uh, even in that year when we when we experienced our highest level of success in recent history, we didn't win a conference championship. And uh, we, we didn't win the bowl game. So, you know, I, I guess I, I, I want our fans to exercise um, a little more patience and some more resiliency. You know, when I watch what Mike Bobo does to lead a football program, um, you know, the kids believe in what he's doing. Uh, he's got a staff, uh, I think that is on the same page as he is, you know, obviously, you know, we've got to improve the play of our defensive side of the ball. Um, we're under the second year leadership of John Janzik. And I think, you know, we're going to see a higher level performance this year from our defense, from our defense. Um, last year, you know, there was, you know, we, 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 we used a, tr- a graduate transfer quarterback for more than half the season, you mm-hmm. know, who just entered the program in January. You know, Mike has a very complex offense that that requires uh, a lot of study and understanding. You know, we've got Colin Hill back, and, and uh, you know, knock on wood, he remains healthy through the year. But, you know, Colin, Colin is a, a, a true talent. You know, he was... He was at the Manning camp this summer, and I think opened some eyes there. and And we saw the way that he played on Friday against against CU. Um, you, you know, and that one of his interceptions was an absolutely freak play yeah, by yeah, the I safety, did. right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I I think, you know, are we disappointed we lost that game? You know, yes, but but I think you know they called a season for a reason, and we've got eleven games ahead of us, and and the team is is focused and uh, I think they're going to respond and, and they're going to find ways to win football games this year. I think the the CSU fans would definitely like that. Um, one of the things I would just, I would like to agree with Joe here on is I think it's, it's easy to point out the last couple of seasons, but like, you know, you didn't, you, you didn't beat CU, you didn't this. Okay. Yes. Historically, CU, you know, they've won three times as many games as CSU has in the in the rivalry. I know technically Jim McElwain went two and one, but 2012 CU is a much different program than the CU that, that Bobo's had to face over the last five years. They're in a much better place now. Um, and then, you know, the grass just, it isn't always greener on the other side. I think it's 
it's easy to call for demand and change, but as fans can find out sometimes when that happens, that's not always the best thing. You lose all the progress you've made. And I think there has been progress with Bobo. The team, the locker room seems to be in a better state than it was a year ago. And, you know, as you said, in 2017, they were a loss to Boise State, really, from compete and Wyoming, too, but for from competing for a Mountain yeah. West championship. But but even that Wyoming game, it was 13-16, to 16, and, and do you remember who in was the their quarterback? Josh you, Allen. You know, Josh ball. Allen, the number, you know, top draft pick in the NFL, you know, that spring, basically decided to pick his team up on his back and win the ball game, uh, you know. So, you know, and, and then, you know, I, I think it's worth commenting, too. Um, you know, 2018, you know, I, I don't think people have given – uh, or or have been willing to open their mind and accept the challenge that Mike was facing and how that impacted our program. Um, you know he he you know he's understated I think in a lot of ways what what that meant uh, for him personally and, and what that meant for the program. But but what I saw was someone that that demonstrated more grit and and more uh, perseverance and maintained a positive attitude and 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 you know, and more adversity than I've ever faced in my life. That's a good point. I mean, there were, I think just like watching him walk into the, into the press conferences at point that were just like from a human to human standpoint, I was just like, man, like, I don't know if this is worth it for this guy. Like he's got four or five kids and family and risking it all to be out here and coach this football team. Well, he, he loves football and he loves working with young people and helping them develop through the sport of football. So um, you know, I, I give him a ton of credit for what he went through last year. All right, Joe, you know, I really appreciate you taking some time to come on this podcast and chat with me. I think it's going to be a big year for CSU athletics and BSN Rams will be there for it all.